Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday. It is that time again. It's November 13th, and we are here for Nudge Coach Happy Hour on the NudgeCast. What's up, Mac? Not too much. As we discussed, it's not like we've been on calls together for four hours. <laughs> that has not happened. Not the case. Don't even worry about it. We, we barely know each other. <laughs> uh, yep. So just for anyone listening, I think we, Phil and I have literally been on back-to-back Zoom calls for four hours. So, But we're still here. We've got energy. We're a little bit loopy, but we're going to talk about some good things in coaching today. Um, so you know you're going to get the goods from us. You're going to get the goods. The, the rougher the week and I think the, I guess the longer the week, the better I think these sessions go. So, oh yeah, no question. And for anyone who didn't check out, so just a reminder, and before we start recording these on Fridays, right around 3.05 p.m. Eastern time, we usually do the Instagram live. Make sure to check those out. Um, I think those are getting better and better. I think we're actually keeping those to five-minute teasers. Um, also, too, if you have questions or you have ideas, it's a great, good avenue to kind of, right before we jump into this, we can take that into account and kind of beat up anything during these sessions. So um, I guess during the, circling back on the Instagram live, I mm-hmm. thought it was a really interesting topic because it was based on a conversation you had had today or this week, excuse me, that I thought was pretty fascinating. And it was really talking about online courses. And I think a little bit about the history of online courses, maybe some of the limitations. And I'd even say kind of what maybe we, maybe the evolution or maybe the future of online courses. So I don't know if you want to kind of give people a bit of a recap of that conversation you had and we'll kind of jump in from there. Yeah. To give a little background and you may be thinking if you've kind of been following this podcast for a while. Um, Thank you for letting us drone on to you for a while, by the way, if you're doing that. But um, to give a little background and make sure that you guys know why this is is relevant and really interesting to us right now. So um, we ran our mastermind program, the Program Builder Mastermind over the last um, few weeks, and we've been kind of reflecting on everything that we learned from it. Uh, And one of the interesting things that came about is sort of this new batch of, of customers of ours and prospects and folks that we've been, have been sort of on the fringe of wanting to work with us that we maybe weren't as aware of as we should have been is um, a bunch of coaches and businesses who have been sort of relying on creating online courses as the way to basically get their knowledge out into the world um, to share that with people and to, mm-hmm. you know, make a business of it to monetize it. Right. But at least of the group that were in our mastermind, it became very apparent in talking to each of them that they were very aware of the fact that an online course was not the optimal way to deliver what they wanted to provide. They saw it more as a coaching business. Um, They just didn't feel like they had the tools to deliver that. And so we wanted to kind of, you know, unpack that, reflect on that together, kind of on the fly here today and kind of, you know, talk through what, what I think is going to be really interesting to follow over the coming year or two, which is kind of the evolution of this space. Um, Online learning in general, I think is probably one of the most interesting industries to follow right now, just because it's gotten so much attention because of the COVID shifts um, and, you know, established educators trying to figure this stuff out on the fly And just all of the demand and attention leads to a lot of potential innovation and smart people working on these problems. So I think you're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff come over the next couple of years. But I think we're also positioned really well to connect with people who really see themselves more as 
coaches and see, you know, the way they want to, to share their experience and knowledge with people as more of a coaching model, uh, translate that into, uh, what we do at nudge. So do you think it's interesting? Cause you, I, I kind of, you've heard the term course creators out there. And I mean, that's, that's a thing, that's a term. And it, it almost makes me wonder how many of those people that are kind of been lumped into that course creators bucket really kind of would, if you ask them, refer to themselves as coaches. And is, is the fact that they are course creators and the fact that they've kind of leveraged courses, was that because at the time that was really just kind of the best option for them to put their content together, which may, may have just been suboptimal, but the only really avenue they had. Yeah. Especially people who probably, you know, maybe not have specifically trained as coaches, um, per se. That's a good point. You know, there's a huge swath of people for sure that have gone through different specifically coaching programs, coaching training, that there's a lot of stuff like that out there, but they're also like non-traditional coaching spaces that people are cropping up all over the place in that are just, you know, knowledge workers. They've been working in different environments, gained all this experience and learned how to accomplish something that they realize a hell of a lot of other people want to accomplish too. They have the roadmap to get there and they're trying to translate that into a business. Um, and I think that's a a potential huge democratization democratization that's the hardest word for me to say for some reason there you go i'm glad you're the one that said that because i would have tripped on it (laughs) huge democratization of knowledge work i think over the next couple years if this actually plays out where people feel like they have the right tools to translate their knowledge their experience into a viable Mm -hmm. business model um and just on its head at the, at the business model level, I think there are some obvious questions that come up about online courses. For example, it's great that you can, you know, record your stuff, build it once and sell it over and over again. Right. That's good. Yeah. Good use of your time. You're not trading your time for money necessarily. You're creating what some people would call leverage. Um, I just think it's the opportunity to sell something more than once. Um, but you're limited to that one sale unless you have different ways of engaging that audience. Um, I think that's why people are attracted to the online course or online courses in general is, is that structure. And I think there's like this, is it almost like a romantic vision of this idea that it's like, Oh, I take what, what seemingly may be complex from a course delivery standpoint. And there's kind of a nice pretty way to package it but there's limitations. And I think that's what you're highlighting is, is it, it may on, on the surface make things easier for you, but, but maybe there's some significant pitfalls that need to be considered when thinking about the kind of practicality of running it and keeping people going through it and completion rates. I think what you mentioned on the Instagram um, live was, was mind blowing to me because I had not heard some of those figures in terms of completion rates within courses. And so I don't know if you want to share that with people. I thought that was pretty fascinating. The reason you haven't heard of those completion rates is because they're impossible to find. The dirty yeah. secret, the dirty dark secret of of the course creation world, apparently. Yeah. So I and I would love to be wrong about this. So feel free. This is why we put this out on the airwaves. I want you guys to prove me wrong. But if anyone wants to do some some Google searching for me, whatever you do to find information, look up online course completion rates and report back to us what you find because I've in my experience, that's one of the hardest pieces of information to locate, whether it's on a platform by platform basis, niche by niche basis, or in- industry wide. 
it's impossible to find a number or a series of numbers to explain how engaging online courses are. And the only thing I can assume is that that is because they are terrible. Um, it shouldn't be the only thing I can assume. Maybe I'm a pessimist here, but I would think they would want to share that information more if, if they were higher. So, you know, I just think it's kind of inevitable that I should draw that conclusion. I, I think you're onto something because as I mentioned, we have seen over the years, and, and we probably should have put more focus towards this, more thought to it. We have absolutely seen plenty of times in which we have been approached from the nudge standpoint about helping launch a coaching offering of some kind to a company or bolt on to some type of course or programming. And that was being delivered in, in that type of same, same setting. And I think we, we are seeing that, that for most people, they can't just get through it themselves. I think if, if you're talking about, you know, imagine if you were in school and someone just handed you the curriculum in the books and said, good luck. I mean, how many students do you think would get through it? I mean, it it's, seems like a very simple concept. If you're just going to throw this at a person, even if they are interested, I bet, you know, I, I can only imagine the completion rate's got to be low, but you, yeah. what, what was the number you found? Uh, so this is based on, I believe it was a PhD student doing research for, um, maybe it was a PhD project. I don't, I don't know what, what level it was. Um, could have been a thesis, but, um, she looked at, um, kind of larger free enrollment online courses that were being offered Mm -hmm. And the completion rate that she found on average out of, I think it was 29 or 30, it was not a huge number, but again, these numbers are hard mm -hmm. to find. So that's why I have to use a stat like this was 6.8%. Um, so, I mean, that's terrible. That is but just I, terrible. Like I said, I think though, if, if we are creating content and sharing content in a way that's, you know, like I said, I think a course is great from a standpoint of providing a framework, but the average person needs a human, human, uh, you know, accountability. I think most people just can't get through these things by themselves. So it, I think the question that I would, I would kind of bring up for anyone listening or just for the group here is really kind of what does that mean for, I guess, courses moving forward in the future? I mean, is there an evolution here? Where do you see this going? Cause it seems to me that there's this massive wave coming and we're seeing kind of this convergence of a lot of different pieces and it just seems like courses are a part of it, but courses alone aren't the solution. Yeah. And I, I can't help but ask myself this question is, so we've, we've learned this over and over again and, and talked about it a lot is people are surprised how different coaching online is versus coaching in a traditional in-person coaching relationship and business. It's just, there are different skills involved. Um, it is a different challenge entirely. And I think that's the same with education. There's a lot of crossover here. And I wonder if it just isn't the case that online and remote coaching are a better form of educating people when it comes to the online world, rather than something like a traditional online course. If, there's, if, the, if education online should just look more like coaching, um, it might be a thing. It wow. might not. Uh, Interesting. But, that's yeah. something that I would look for. And, and I think, you know, there, there's more to it than just that. That's sort of the one-to-one, -one, um, you know, one of the pitfalls or weaknesses of an online course 
that's, you know, baked into a traditional LMS typically would be mm-hmm. that there's not a good way to engage those people. There's no one-to-one connection between course creator, instructor, or whatever you want to call yeah. them. And, um, and the person going through the program, you have maybe comment sections, which is maybe the least engaging thing ever. Um, yeah, I, I'd say a comment form or a comment um, section under a video may be the coldest way to communicate with somebody. If yeah. I was going to rank things that that's pretty darn low. If you were going to, if you were going to go out of your way to dehumanize the experience, maybe just drop a generic comment field under a video and, and you got it. Um, the other piece that, you know, if you, if you kind of think of being in a traditional classroom setting and, you know, where for some people you can, you're okay in a lecture setting, right? You, you can get a lot out of that. Some people can, it's not for everybody, right? There are a lot of people who thrive on j- just in a classroom setting, the opportunity to engage with other students and learn together, right? Um, that's another piece of online courses and learning that I think is at least in the more traditional online learning space as it evolves, you'll see a heck of a lot more of this is figuring out how to, how to unlock community um, and, and build that in because that's an opportunity for engagement that works at scale. Um, And I think, you know, again, that's, this falls under a different skill set from like traditional uh, you know, teaching, you're not, not online community builders. So these are all interesting challenges that you're going to see, but, but one of the things that I think is a lesson of the internet is that community building around a topic and a need and a problem is a powerful thing. So that'll be something that you see, I think more, I can't believe it's not already, but we'll see more Mm -hmm. and more baked into kind of online learning experiences as the idea of building this intentional community. I think it's an interesting point because I, if, if you really think about it, I, I kind of view this as kind of, if you think about acting and movies and shows you've watched, we've all seen movies before where um, I think of movies like Castaway and Martian and uh, work with me here. You'll see where I'm going. <laughs> Very few actors can really hold your attention for a prolonged period of time. And I think what you see is there's just some some actors that can actually pull off these kind of one character films or whatnot. And I think when you look at how traditional courses are structured, you know, it's a lot of, you know, typically that one educator on camera, not everyone's great at, on the, on camera. And I think to your point, community should really be considered a lot more because I think it can help any, you know, creator, any coach, any teacher, or whatever you want to, you know, refer to yourself as keep things moving along, especially if we, you know, if we all admit we're not all fantastic on camera and it is something that I feel like should be leveraged far more. Cause I think it can help continue, you know, momentum forward within a program or a course. And as we you know learned during the mastermind from someone, if you can build connections with some of the people that you maybe have as your, as your students, your clients, um, it's kind of a, a, I guess a cheerleader within the group itself. You can kind of really kind of plant that person and leverage them to kind of help, help you drive momentum forward. But it's just, it, it's interesting to see where this is all going because I, I do feel like online courses and, and course creators are maybe at a bit of a crossroads right now. And I think 2021 is going to be a really telling time. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. I just think this is one of the most fascinating kind of subspaces or industries, even industries as a whole. I mean, you go back to how our educational system got set up, how it did on an agrarian calendar and, I mean, there's 
time baked into the school day that, you know, would not be there if not for the need for basically daycare for parents. So, yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff that's sort of like baked into the fabric of the way people think about educating that is going to sort of get translated online. And then people are going to realize it doesn't fit online and then it's going to get weeded out, but you'll see, and everybody's learning this, you know, shorter segments of, of actual educational material, making sure that the key takeaways are clear. There's three to five, cause that's the most people are going to take away all these pieces. Um, you'll, you've seen, of course, over the last, you know, 10 years stuff about drip learning and stuff like that. Those concepts that are kind of creeping into the, um, kind of the echo chamber. Um, all these things are, are sort of changing the form factor of education. I think it is creeping towards more of a coaching model where you have a one-to-one connection with someone where you're working remotely together to touch base. And you also have a connection to a community that's kind of all wrapped around the anchor, which is the content that's taking you through. The- you know what this also has me thinking too, because I, you know, I do think a lot of this is just tied into education. I think, like I said, this is all kind of becoming like a melting pot of all these people, uh, all these different ideas and concepts kind of blurring, you know, coaching, consulting, course creators, education, like what's working, what's not working, especially in a time like now. And, you know, I think I mentioned to you that one time there's that new system that came out called mm-hmm, that was from yeah. one of the creators of um, I think it was uh, of um, oh shoot what was it the creators of like Zendesk or something one of those systems like, yeah. or ever I think it was Evernote I think it was one of the guys from Evernote who created it yeah. but it's kind of a reimagination of how video conferencing works which I think is such an is such an interesting idea because we've all you know at this point we've all been doing video conferencing and we're used to a very standard structure where you see me on screen and then I, if I want to present something, I share screen and then you're kind of just seeing whatever I'm sharing. And then maybe my face is really small in the top corner. And I think you're seeing now a new wave of technologies and platforms that really can enrich the experience. So anyone who's not familiar with this, which it's MMHMM, it's, mm -hmm, yes, that's the name of it. I'm not making up or stuttering or anything. It's that, that is the, the name of it. And what's so I think unique about it is they're completely reinventing what that means to be on a video conference with, with more kind of enriched experience, new elements. Um, and I'm wondering if we're just going to start seeing a whole new wave of innovation like that, that basically takes into account, Hey, we are, we're all going to be remote in some capacity at this point, moving forward. Let's reimagine what that means. And so whether you're a course creator, whether you're a coach, whether you're a consultant, whether you're a teacher, I think 2021 is going to be a really neat time. And we're going to see kind of, we built a foundation in 2020 to kind of figure out kind of, you know, kind of figure this out a little bit. And now we're going to be able to really optimize and enhance moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And the way we're thinking about it, just to bring this down into the, the true weeds of, of building out a coaching platform as we do, um, you know, when you're thinking about a course curriculum, right, you have scheduled out different topics, you're going to hit different days. Uh, you can build all that out in advance. You have the curriculum, what if you pre-built a lot of that content and the in-between time is then where the value is generated, right? In a remote setting, you need to have that kind of one-to-one accountability that keeps up throughout that journey. Otherwise, engagement is going to drop off, hence the 6.8% number throughout mm-hmm. earlier. This is basically how we're designing the next iteration of our coaching platform. And this all kind of spirals back around to the fact that you know, it wasn't immediately something that we thought about, like, oh, we were reinventing online learning or something. We were just building a better coaching platform. And it happens to connect the dots just because I think the skill sets required to 
hold people's attention online, engage people and get them to the result they want to. It's, it's a new set of skill sets, uh, mm-hmm. a, a new skill set and a new, um, a new way of thinking about things. And it's going to have naturally a lot of crossover between the different ways that people think about what they do in kind of the knowledge work realm from teaching to coaching to anything else you can think of. We're going to need to, if we're doing things online, providing services online, the first thing you need to do is hold someone's attention because that is the number one huge challenge. If I'm in a classroom, I'm going to look like a jerk. If I get up and walk out of the classroom, there's no reason I can't just get up and walk away from my computer. If you're trying to teach me something online. So you bring up a really interesting point and it'd be interesting to know, and I'm sure there's no way we'd actually be able to see the data, but is this really a question of activation, meaning that people are signing up for courses and they're never really getting going? Like maybe they watch the first video or two, but they never really, I'd say, get properly activated, if you will. Or is this a problem where that maybe people get started, but then maybe 50, 60, whatever it is, percent through, that's when engagement starts to kind of wane because they don't have any additional accountability. They just lose those individuals. So it'd be interesting to know if we could ever figure that out or find it. Cause I think those are two very distinct problems and I'm not sure if people are quite looking at it that way. That is a really good question. And I, I guarantee it is some, to some level. Yes. And both of them, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll find that out, I guess, when we kind of, uh, get up and running with some of these folks that we've met with that are, are interested in transitioning to a different model and seeing how it's going to go. We'll definitely learn more about that, but I, yeah, I guarantee it's both. I would be really interested to see that. You know, I, I actually just, this is a single data point, but saw someone uh, responding to a, a thread on Twitter. He said he had like um, in Udemy, like a, oh yeah, yeah. just like a, a huge number of courses that he had purchased that he hadn't started yet. He took a screenshot of it. <laughs> Yeah. So there's oh, one man. data point for you. I know. I And I totally agree. I think U, Udemy is a great example because Udemy has discount courses. I mean, Udemy is great to, and I've heard people talk this about this before who are really big into Udemy. Udemy is great from like a marketing perspective of like getting your name out there and building a list because you do these cheap courses that it makes me wonder, because I know I have that. If you looked at my account, I'm, I'm positive there's some courses I've purchased before for like 20 bucks or 10 bucks and never actually started. Yeah. Um, it makes you wonder, is that the majority of the purchases on systems like that? And I, I makes me wonder if we can even do some kind of survey or align with some of the, the folks that we know or work with and start trying to get some data points and put that together. Because I think it's a really interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> well, the I think the headline here, I mean, there are several things here. I mean, this is just... There, there are some, some pitfalls of, or some fundamental problems with, you know, monetizing your, your knowledge and expertise and your experience through the traditional online course format. Um, not the least of which, if you're talking to us, is one, you will need to activate those clients if you want to be able to get through it. Two, you're throwing away the opportunity at a recurring revenue business, which you and I are obsessed with. Please don't do that if you can turn what your knowledge and experience is into something that will pay people will pay for month after month after month, why in the world not do that? The most important metric in online businesses is that customer lifetime value metric. And you're just throwing it away. If you're doing just a one-time purchase and you 
And yeah, you built something mm-hmm. and you can sell it more than once. Yeah. And here's the thing. Most people have multiple courses, so there's no reason you wouldn't want to help a person get through the first one to help them get to the second. And I think that's what you bring up a good question. It's like, are are we not thinking through this or where's, where's the gap here? Because I, I think I'd, I'd argue that this kind of course creation landscape is maybe broken. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's, like I said, 2021 is going to be, I think it's kind of the year reckoning. I think we're going to see a whole new approach. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people who have struggled with this are going to have better tools in their hands. Um, now, let me just qualify a lot of what we just said. I know there are a lot of people out there who are very successful with online courses. I'm not necessarily talking to you right now, um, but a lot of those people who I'm aware of, and I know a couple of people pretty directly actually who are pretty successful with online courses, and almost always they have one of those other kind of pieces to execute on engaging people that I talked about, whether it's they have a community somewhere that keeps people tied in. Um, They have a way to stay connected to somebody one-to-one to help guide them through the experience, or they're just incredible at like email and online communication in general. Maybe they're great Um, on camera, great charisma. I mean, you know, something to consider. Yeah, Yeah. definitely these skills need to be there. But I think the you know, the headline is there are better tools that are coming. And this is going to be a really interesting space to watch over the next year. And I'm super excited that we're actually kind of playing in it as we grow into this stuff mm-hmm. with our, our next iteration of our platform. Should be fun. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think that was a pretty interesting thing to come up this week. And I thought it was a timely conversation you had that kind of prompted this whole discussion. So I'd say for anyone who's kind of has a course thinking about creating it, just thinking about how all these pieces connect and thinking about engagement. Um but yeah, I think the next year is going to be interesting. And I, like I said, a lot of neat solutions kind of coming. I think new approaches. Um, what's great though, and I think a, a really important piece to talk, uh, to talk about as we're kind of wrapping up is mainly just keep in mind consumer consumers in their, exper- in their expectations are evolving and changing. And I think what maybe um, stigmas or maybe some of the friction points that maybe would have been encountered a year ago I'd say are no longer here. I think it's getting easier to jump into these models and engage people. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Um, yeah. Anyone who was, who was kind of fighting the idea of, of learning something totally remotely or online, uh, they probably aren't anymore. The world has changed. Um, so that, that gives us a, a great example or a great advantage uh, over where we were a year ago. And, you know, if you are someone, by the way, who's listening to this, who you have an online course or a couple you're not kind of getting out of it what you think you want to get out of it. You see the idea as something that could be translated into a coaching business. We're at a stage right now, this episode is us workshopping this idea. So I would love to talk to you. Feel free to shoot me an email, shoot the, shoot the show an email, podcast at nudgecoach.com. Let's talk it out. I want to explore this idea with some more people. This should be fun. Yeah, it's a good idea. Definitely a good idea. All right, guys. Well, I think we're wrapping up there, but appreciate everybody joining us, whether it was on the Instagram live at about 3.05 or listening to this now. And uh, we'll get into some new stuff next week. Should be fun.